Welcome to Quantum Dreamcast, our mini-episode series where we tackle some lesser-known films that we love and the rules are more like guidelines. I'm your host, Cast. With me is Nick. Hey, what up? And if you're new to the show, we are a time-traveling film podcast, taking your favorite films and moving them forwards and backwards in time and Mm -hmm. giving them a brand new cast. That's right. Like we said on this... We, like we said, on this mini-sode, we're taking the horror comedy cult hit from 2019, Ready or Not, and moving it to the late 80s, where Nick and I will try, will each try to put together our own cast from that era. Yeah, it's a little, we're a little, we're a little more flexible here, you know, like we're, we're not specific we're a little bit. year, you know, it gives us some more, more room for fun, if you will. Yeah. And if you like what you hear and want to listen to more, you can follow us on all socials for updates and episode drops. Just look up our at Quantum Recast and you should be able to find us. You should be. I, I'm we're pretty sure we're Twitter. all just yeah, yeah, the Twitters, the Instagrams, even on your mom's favorite Facebook and on your on, on the TikToks. We're, we're talking. We're ticking. We're making videos. We're ticking. All right? We're tacking. Yeah, we're, we're tacking. <laughs> so. so so t- tell me tell me about this movie we're jumping into, Cass. Yeah. So before we get started, let's just, uh, I'll give a rundown of this film. So okay. it was released in 2019. Mm-hmm. Ready or Not stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, and Andy McDowell from uh, Amongst Others, and yeah. written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy, directed okay. by Matt Bet- Bettelini. Bettelini, I think. Um, Bettelini, Auckland, and yeah, that's Tyler Gillette. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and Tyler Gillette. And the movie is about a bride's wedding night taking a sinister turn when her eccentric new, new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying and lethal game of hide-and-seek. It's the yeah. first movie that makes hide-and-seek really scary. True. I, I mean, I don't know if it's the <laughs> first. I can't claim that for sure. But it definitely sets the tone right from the beginning. Like, from the trailer, it's, you're it's, like, it's, oh. it's just like a very creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not what you would expect. No, not at all. Like, I think <laughs> on that's your the f- wedding night. No, and that's the fun of the movie. And they, and you, you kind of sit there and go like, "How does this make sense?" But they kind of lay it out really well, and I feel like they do a yeah. good job, like setting the scene, kind of building the world around you. You know, it's about a family that has made all their money off these board games, and they have to do this ritual basically because they kind of made this deal yeah. with the devil. So it it, it all it's generally always... lays out pretty well. But is there any yeah. any budget info you got for us? Yeah, so the budget was six million, okay. and the box office actually did fifty-seven point six million. So it was a hit. So it made money. I, yeah, so, you know, it's pretty... definitely yeah. It it became a big, I feel like, cult classic at that time, and even now, people yeah. still are watching think, it. Yeah, I think I think it for six million. Like that's when I saw that, <laughs> I was really surprised by it because I was just like, this movie looks more like a fifty million dollar movie. Kind of like it looked like it had a budget, and like I, no, I guess does, the cast. Yeah. The cast went on, I guess, to do better things, and it has some like callbacks, like Andy McDowell, who was a bigger deal, like in the '90s and such. But I was surprised at that yeah. number. But yeah, how did how did the yeah. tell us about useless critic stats, Cass? So Rotten Tomatoes Tomato Meter gives it eighty nine percent, and the okay. audience gives it seventy eight percent. Which okay. I would, I feel like the audience should have would have been higher. You think, um, think they would have enjoyed it more? Yeah. Um, IMDb gives it 6.9 out of 10. Nice. Meta- <laughs> <Ay>. hey. <laughs> Metacritic gives it 60, 
four out of a hundred. Not as nice, but that's usually the case with Metacritic. Yeah, yeah a little bit. And Letterboxd gives mm-hmm. it a three point five out of five. Okay. All right. I mean, that's fair. I think that's a fair yeah. assessment. I think, you know, for some of us that really enjoyed it, you'd, you'd argue it should be higher. And it is weird that the audience score was a little lower than like the critic scores, yeah. especially like on Rotten Tomatoes. But we all know that that's uh, <laughs> may not be the most trustworthy place anymore to go look for your reviews and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think it's because it is like it's low key doing a good job with like it's callbacks and like it's world building and it's really yeah. it's a, it's a horror comedy I would say and it's a thriller right but it has it has a lot of fun with it in a way that isn't so much like in your face kind of comedy it's just it's just having a lot of fun with like the premise and I think that's what's it's so very, endearing about it yeah it's very I don't want to say it's subtle but it is like at times where mm-hmm. it does have a nice balance for horror and comedy because it's yeah. not like w- with having actors like. Adam Brody in it you do mm-hmm. expect it to be kind of a little bit more comedic but mm-hmm. he does like even a great job with his character yeah but no I definitely expected the audience to give it a higher score than what they did but 78 still good still pretty and good better yeah. than <laughs> better than it, a 3.5 <laughs> that's true yeah no I remember when I watched this the first time in 2019 me and Taryn mm-hmm. our our guy in the chair friend of the podcast he he and I went to watch it during, when we were doing a lot of uh, drybacks and watching movies. And I remember really enjoying it, but even rewatching it the last week before we did this episode, I, I think I enjoyed it more. Like I kind of forgot like how much fun it was and how like well paced and put together it actually was. And even yeah. like on character levels, cause it's got a lot of twists and turns that aren't necessarily super predictable. Like, and, and some that kind of come out the, the switch, the, uh, the double turn of the brothers where, or Adam Brody's character, uh, he becomes the good guy, yeah. and then uh, is it Alex? Yeah, Alex becomes the bad guy. It's a wrestling Alex. term we like to use called the double turn. Is when the good guy and the bad guy change places and become their respective counterparts. But yeah, that was a fun one, and and they laid the good they laid good seeds for Adam Brody's character Daniel to slowly be the character that we oh, s- yeah. sympathize and we kind of get to enjoy more. You know, plus I mean, you're probably yeah. not too mad about him turning out to be a good guy, right? I mean, I was okay with him being a bad guy too. Mm, but that's yes, fine. yes. Was was he your main motivation? <laughs> was he your main motivation for watching this movie when it came out? Actually, no. I think I didn't know that he was in it the first time I watched it. Um, okay. Because I I think I just wanted to. I, I liked the premise of it. I mean, we know me. I love my horror and I love comedy. Mm-hmm. So I have such the soft spot for horror comedy anyway. Because going in, I don't take it seriously. I'm not yeah. going in with like just this like film viewer like eyes i'm just i'm going in as okay no i'm just going to enjoy this movie so yeah when i watched it because i don't i don't remember like how long it was after like the movie had came out to like pay-per-view dvd Mm -hmm. but i just remember at that time i enjoyed it but who i watched it with which was my parents they did not like it oh no (laughs) they liked it up until the end because of okay like the twist yes well, okay, listen, we're, on a, the, we're, we're, we're spoiler, we're not spoiler free here. Like if you, you're clicking no, on this because you have watched the movie probably. And at this point, if you haven't, I've given you enough leading time that you can turn it off. But when they all explode at the end, you know, like, <laughs> that's probably where your parents, that's when they turned it off and they said, this is too much. I can't take it. They, they were like, that's stupid. <laughs> and just like, turn I the don't TV accept off. No, but they this. just, no, in their mind, they thought it would just be better for it to be like, oh, ha ha. Like. 
they like the curse isn't real but i think that's okay. kind of what makes the movie really unique is like mm-hmm. oh no the curse is real and then they actually like exploded the way that they did yeah i can i can but, see where they're coming from if it had been more of a traditional horror like because yeah. then it comments on this whole idea and, and which it plays with throughout the movie of like superstitions and whether to believe it or not and stuff and how far are you willing to go because of something that's kind of been ingrained in you and, and you've been groomed growing up to believe like if we don't do this our family's gonna die and and for like them to face a truth that yeah. would hit that hard of like oh no we've killed all these people over the years for no good reason but obviously like it's an over-the-top moment and i think that what's is what lends it to the comedy is just that they are literally all exploding and at that point you're like it's i think they've done a good enough job writing that line like i said of horror and comedy where you you accept it and like oh that's really funny yeah they and they get their comeuppance right. basically well i have to ask do you think alex would have survived had uh grace not take off her ring and say i want a divorce um so here's i, I was thinking about this at the end of the rewatch la- last mm-hmm. week and my thought was like even if she hadn't taken off the ring i think what you could have if even though it hadn't been spoken in dialogue what you could have picked up from it was while they had been married they had not consummated their marriage because that's a thing in like a lot of horror movies is like you don't have sex you don't do drugs you don't do all that so like and i and i think that might have been a reason they had the scene where the wedding's over and they're in the room and she wants to like you know consummate and the the ant the creepy ants in the room to stop them basically (laughs) um because it does, it keep on, at least from the viewer standpoint, it keeps her on this pure level that's consistent with other slashers and horror survival type movies. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. a, again, we're living in a 2023 world where like we're not going to slut shame anyone or just shame anyone for having sex on a premarital level anyway. But that's, it's just, yeah. I think it is just like a slight callback to that mentality of like the 80s slashers and stuff. But mm-hmm. in the terms of the ruling of, of how, like, I guess the deal with the guy at, uh, works is, I think yeah. it, I think it, again it like gives her that leeway that gray area where she's like well i'm technically not fully his wife you know like so i think it just plays off that maybe what do you think like do you think that the wedding ring needed to be thrown off real quick well not even just that it was just the i remember like when they all like everyone but alex had died and Mm -hmm. like he was still there for a minute and he was like you know we could still like you know like we don't have to worry about that baby come on i love you yeah so for her to like take her ring off and I don't even remember if she like threw it at him or she like dropped it, but she was just like, I want a divorce. And after yeah. she said that, that's when he exploded. Yeah. So it was just like, that's where my mindset is where I'm like, okay, well, does it like say that he didn't like actually side with his family and she mm-hmm. survived yeah. till the morning and everyone else had died? Mm-hmm. Would he have still survived? So it's just, I feel like in a weird way, I want to say yes for as long as he was standing there talking to her. Yeah. But then it was that moment of when she said, like, I want a divorce is when he died. Yeah. But I also wonder if Daniel, whose dead body was in the other room, also yes. exploded. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, he's dead, so probably not. But the, the other curveball I would throw at it is that maybe it's not necessarily her saying the words I want a divorce, but her intent. Like, she wants nothing to do with the family. Yeah. Daniel wanted nothing to do with the family. Yeah. But Alex came around at the end. So I think it also you could also yeah. interpret it that way of like, well, Grace and Daniel, if he had lived, he might not he might have survived because he rejected the family, basically. And I was thinking, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I was thinking that too. Not just because he's Adam Brody cast. Daniel's <laughs> But no, I yeah, I was upset when Daniel died. <laughs> yes. 
No, but I was up like, yeah, I was upset when Daniel died because it is that whole when he changes to a good guy, you're rooting for him mm-hmm. and like Grace to leave. So yeah. that did click to my mind too, where I was like, okay, well, he was probably gonna die with the family anyway. Yeah, yeah, for curses, sure. Like, yeah, most likely. So, but but I do yeah, think I, I I do like to think that little bit of leeway where maybe the rule is like if it's if you're fully in on the family business basically like yeah you're screwed but yeah. like if you have a change true change of heart where you're like i don't want anything to do with this maybe you get some leeway and you don't have to explode yeah. into a bunch of pieces and stuff <laughs> well you know but I, you know I, the devil. It, it is it's interesting movie because for and maybe it's it's a i almost feel like while we talk about it being like this cult hit and stuff i almost feel like it's not talked about enough like i see it on a lot yeah. of people's like top you know 10 newest horror movies and stuff and things like that but mm-hmm. i you don't see people dressing up as grace in the bride i think that's like a fun halloween costume you just go to goodwill find like a cheap uh, bride outfit and throw some red paint on it and stuff and get a shotgun <laughs> no. and like you're good to go right, like no. you know but i because I, yeah. no. it's a very iconic image and she's playing this what i would assume to become what i think would become a very iconic character but it seems like oh, it just well, hasn't maybe enough time hasn't taken off yet it's only been four almost five years and so maybe Mm -hmm. there's just needs more time to gestate before people go like hey that movie was awesome i love this movie you should watch it but that's what we're doing right here because it is interesting because it yeah for such a small budget it made back its money but i guess because it didn't like blow up because that's kind of where the world we're in now it's like if a movie doesn't blow up like 100 million plus and gets talked about a lot it almost gets thrown under the radar and gets lost in the streaming world that we're in now you know yeah and and it's weird because like grace is i think one of my favorite final girls just because Mm -hmm. like she is different from like the other ones where it's just like she she didn't know what she was expecting like during that night and she was funny about it too she was Mm -hmm. just i don't know it's it it was just it's it's weird to see that there are people that like they see this movie they like this movie but it really isn't talked about that much when it is a good yeah. movie and Grace is a final girl, no matter what. Like, I mean, yeah. she was cup- soaked in blood mm-hmm. at the end and sits <laughs> sits down on the step while a bunch of, like, firemen and police officers mm-hmm. are running into her house. Or, well, yeah. yeah, technically, it could be her house now. Her, her former but... house, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's a great, um... it's a, it is a great shot. Like, again, like, there's so much, like, attention to detail in this movie the cinematography is great like even like the setup of like the games and stuff and like the contraption that they use to decide what game they're going to play everything on that level is so like meticulous and and i and that's what i really loved about it yeah no i i i enjoyed a lot about that movie i think it was just a fun watch and plus samara weaving and adam brody true true you can't go wrong with those two yeah (laughs) but um but Nick, how do you think it will hold up or change in the late 80s? So I think that obviously this movie is somewhat of a love letter to those slasher movies of that time. I think yeah. there's a little bit of meta going on with, in 2019, but there's still plenty of comedies and horror comedies going on in the late 80s. I mean, you think of things like Heathers, where it was like this very much like this teen movie, but they're murdering their high school friends and stuff. And it's, and it's treated just like very over the top and hilarious. And so I think it finds a sweet spot in this area easily. I think it it is almost at moments an homage to this era and time, you know? Yeah. What about, what about you? What do you, what do you think changes about it? No, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Um, I, and Heather's is a really good example too, Mm because like 
I was worried that maybe the comedy aspect of it wouldn't mm-hmm. be as like as, be there as on much. the forefront. Yeah. But if you think of stuff like Little Shop of Horrors and Heathers and stuff, mm-hmm. like it will still be that same sort of vibe for horror and the comedy aspect. Yeah. So I mean, I think yeah, we... that will still be there. Uh, the mm-hmm. horror will not be, I think, as prominent. Much. Um, yeah. Like unless you're doing like a Nightmare on Elm Street fun version of it. Yeah. So to get well, that I think feel. That... I think it could still live in that horror comedy yeah. realm and still have a lot of the humor that goes on with it. I mean, you're you're almost 10 years removed from an American werewolf in London, which is kind of one of the first mm. times that I'm aware of that they blended like this horror and comedy stuff where the horror moments are very horrifying when he's turning into the werewolf, when she's watching someone's head get shot off or she falls into the trap with all the dead bodies that are there. Mm-hmm. And then but then there's funny moments in both movies. So I think it still has plenty of room to like be funny and kind of have some dark humor going on as well. Um, I think the only thing obviously that changes is there's no cell phones. You know, I, I think you still have a monitor system that can, pro- you can, you can eighties technology, technology explain that a way of like, we have a tech system, like security system, but the, fu- like when, yeah, um, when yeah, the, uh, the hus when the, the brother-in-law, uh, whose name is uh, Fitch, when he's like off looking at his phone, how to use a bow and arrow or just talking to his, texting his friend. It'll probably be more, you could have him with that old time, regular wired phone, just being like calling his friend be like, what's up? Uh, nothing, family stuff. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like that, it could be funny too because you're like, get the phone. But the other things like on ser- the on-service call where she's in the car and they shut down the car, you have to work around that a bit. Yep. It might be a, They'll just you just have to figure it out in a different way that fits the eighties, you know, like flat tire. You know, there's there's tropes like that, but hey, they you got to keep her around the house for a reason. So, unless you like, it could be like a situation where someone like she was able to like stop somebody from the road, and yeah, it's that whole taxi mm-hmm. like or not taxi, but just like someone picks her up, and it's like, oh hey, I'm actually part of the family, and then they end up getting like yeah killed in the so process. Part of the family, or- she gets picked up by a cop, and they say like, oh there's a crazy person out and they think she's the crazy person or so- something like that yep. for sure. Technology yeah, just ruins so. everything. When you go backwards, Cass, it's no fun. <laughs> you don't need technology for horror. It's fine. I guess not. Yeah. Suppose not. <laughs> oh, well, Cass, gosh. is it time to cast? Are we ready now? I, I think so. Are you ready? I'm about ready. I'm going to be, you know, All right. <laughs> well, we don't have enough time for everyone. So this is where we throw in some notable supporting cast. And like on our main show, this is the lightning round where we each quickly give our picks. So here's who will be casting in this section. 30 seconds Sarah. or less. Woo woo. So for our 30 seconds or less, we only have a few because I think we have, I think ready or not has a decent amount of. It's a pretty big cast. Yeah. Yeah. But for to start with, we have Charity Le Dumas, who is played by Elise. Uh, uh, Le- what is it again? Levesque. Le- yeah, it's Le- Elise Levesque. Levesque, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Elise Levesque, who is the wife of Daniel. Daniel played by Adam Brody. Got it. Okay. Um, Elise Levesque was in. Pause. Should I say what she's in? Or. Yeah, yeah. Let let, let the people know what she's in. Okay. Yeah. She- Okay. It looks like she's in Orphan so. Black and Stargate Universe, it looks like. Some TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Very okay. cool, very fun. Um, who okay. did you have picked there, Cass? I went with Demi Moore. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, Charity's yeah. very much the... 
she's she's in it to win it like she, she's all about the money she's all about the fame so like i think demi can can play into that kind of like i knew what i signed up for there's that moment you yeah know, oh she could sure. play like that bitchy role very very well because that's mm-hmm. kind of how charity is yeah but nick who did you pick well i went with jennifer jason lee um most okay. people she's she's a name a lot of people know but if you don't in this period of time in 86 she's doing the hitcher and then a bunch of different movies from there to 89 like sister sister undercover heart of midnight and then in 89 big picture last exit to brooklyn but i think she just has the right amount of fun as well as just being like an attractive lady you know at, at the time one of the yeah. girls of the 80s but i think that she has like the dramatic uh, timing to be able to just like be like no I, I signed up for this I'm ready to go and you're like oh <laughs> oh you're one of the bad ones but what's Demi more no, up I, to in this she she's just got off St. Elmo's Fire like in 85 right yes yes okay. and um she was doing uh in 86 she was doing about last night um mm-hmm. in 88 I believe she was doing a couple of different things mm-hmm. um the seventh sign was one that I saw yeah and there were no angels in 89 Got it. Okay, so this is this predates Ghost in the early '90s. So yes. she's got she's got yes. some free room to play. Okay, I think either or yeah. would work there for sure. For sure, it would work. Okay, who's up next? All right, so our next one is Fitch Bradley, played by uh, Christian Br- Braun. Braun, I think is how you say Brun, it. it Braun, sure. Braun, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the husband of Emily, the okay. sister. Got it. To both Daniel and Alex. Um. And he is in Snowpiercer uh, and Orphan Black. He was in a okay. lot of more like TV shows. Yeah, Snowpiercer, the TV movies, show, but, not um, the not the Chris Pine movie that it's based off of. Okay, yes, gotcha. Cool, cool. Is it yeah, Chris he's Pine or is it Chris Evans? Chris Evans. I'm sorry, there's too many Chris's. <laughs> there's too many. That. But yeah, Fitch, um, Fitch, who's like the he's the br- he's just the brother-in-law. That's just he he doesn't want to be there. He's bored. All, like no. we're talking about, he's on his phone. He's and he's even been like. He turns to uh, the best scenes when he turns to charity. He's like, so we're out, right? Like, I'm, we're over this, right? And she just stares and he's like, okay, fine. Never mind. But <laughs> no, he, wasn't he given like a crossbow that he didn't even know how to use? Right. He's like, how, not, do I, yeah. how do I use this? And he's and he he said, how old it. is this? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he's definitely the fun character yeah, of, the, for sure. of the group. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who I went with. Um, it's pretty... I would say it's pretty on the nose, but I went with Glenn Shaddix. Uh, people know him from Beetlejuice and Sunset and uh, Heathers, particularly. Um, yeah. But, but I, I think he just he looks like the guy, and then he's also a great kind yeah. of comedic actor that has a kind of seems to have like a good fit in these kind of macabre horror esque kind of movies. But I just think he'd have a lot of fun with it. Who did you grab? I also picked Glenn Shaddix what? as well because. I- because I was thinking of the whole Beetlejuice, like oh my gosh, how he played in Beetlejuice. So yeah. no, it's very, it's very hit on the news. And yes, he does look like right. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, "What's that guy up to?" I was like, eh, "We can, we can fit it in there somewhere." It's fine. It'll work It'll out. Work. The rules are flexible um, here. We don't lose anything. It is no. This is all for fun. Yes, imagination. Um, <laughs> but yeah, across um, across the country, high five. We got the same one. Yeah. Woo. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So now let's go with Emily Ledemos, who is mm-hmm. played by Melanie Scrofano. Scrofano, um, sure. Yes. She was in Letterkenny. Oh, That's it's Mrs. McMurray. Mr. That's right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Have you watched Letterkenny, Cass? I have not. Oh, you sh- it's fun. She, she's a very, it's not a far, 
it's not a far jump from her letter kitty character in this movie like i was watching it and i was okay. like and i was like she looks so familiar and i was like it's mrs mcmurray and like her and her husband in the show are like these outrageous characters who are for lack of a better phrase they're just horny all the time and they're just constantly talking yeah. about it so her being okay. the coke addict sister that likes the party not that not a big of a jump so you could see where they were like let's put this let's put her in here she'll have fun with it so it's millennia melanie she's scafano plays emily in this one okay so it's it's crazy because her and fitch have kids and stuff together and she's the coke addict yeah there's the moment when she's like my kids don't deserve to die and i was like wow you came around real quick you sobered up real fast when it got serious (laughs) (laughs) the coke just left her system yeah not not the kids so for this one Cass, i'll just throw at you i picked jennifer tilly um, people know her That's from funny. Bride of Chucky later on uh, in, in a decade or so from here. But in this point, she's just got smaller roles and stuff from in 86. Yeah. It's Inside Out. And then from there, there's He's My Girl, Gary Shandling's show, which is a TV show, a movie called Remote Control, a cult hit Johnny Be Good that a lot of people are familiar with. And then in I 89, am- she's Moonlighting, Far From Home, Let It Ride and the fabulous Baker Boys to give you the rundown. But I think she just has a lot of fun with comedic timing and she can kind of play that party girl uh, vibe as well. But then when it comes to that moment, when it kind of hits, you're like, okay, well, I feel a little bad for you, but you're still kind of a screw up. So you're, but she's a fun character. And I think Jennifer Tilly could have a lot of fun with it. But who did you grab? When she, ki- when she kills um, the maids and stuff. Yeah, where she keeps accidentally it's like, stop killing everyone. <laughs> I'm so like, screwed up. I don't know what I'm doing. I can just see her kind of doing that with a lot of fun. Um, I went with um Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, okay. okay. I thought right. I thought that'd be kind of fun. It's it's after Footloose. She was doing okay. a couple of different things at the yeah. time. Um, not I don't think it's too much like known stuff, but yeah, she is just a fun. Um, I think she would have fun with it because, yeah. like you said, it's more of a like. Like you just have this outrageous like girl who really should be more of a mother to her kids mm-hmm. than a coke addict like party sure. loving girl. But then again, she married a very useless man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, it was college. They were having fun. You know, she thought she thought maybe maybe he would come around, and and yeah. like most men, he didn't. So, <laughs> so, so I just think I, I think it would be fun for Sarah Jessica Parker because this is her like this is younger Sarah Jessica Parker. So this is. I, it is before sex in the city. Yeah, so yeah, predates that. I think yeah. it just works for her. For sure. Yeah, I think that it just it's fun. But Jennifer yeah. Tilly really because even in Footloose, you kind of see how she gets to play the peppy best friend character. And with yep. this, you just you just kind of crank that up about to nine or ten or eleven, depending. And you say just have mm-hmm. fun with it. And she gets to be like the younger sister that's always like daddy's girl and gets what she wants. It, it's that's what's funny is when the mom's like, go do this, and she's like, I don't want. It. And the dad's like, listen to your mother. <laughs> And she's just like, oh no. <laughs> so that's so that's the thirty. Oh, se- so that's our thirty seconds or less. Not done in thirty seconds or less. We're so we're working out the kinks no. on these minisodes, but you know it's still it's still in good fun. Yeah, it's fine. We're fine. It's fine. So that means we're jumping to the top cast, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Cool. We, well, give yep. give me the rundown cast. Who do we have up there? Just just the characters themselves. Right. Yep. So we have. Helen LeDemas, who okay, is the, cre- the er, creepy aunt, right? The, the creepy aunt, yeah, yes, who's yes. just always sitting around staring with those creepy eyes. Yes. Um, played by Nick, Nikki, or yeah, Nikki Guadagini. 
probably. There's a lot of Italian-looking yes. names in this cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, Who else do we have on this cast list? Yeah. All right, we also have Becky Ledemos, played okay. by Andy McDow- McDowell, um, mm-hmm. who is the mother. Okay. Love some um, Andy McDowell. We also, yeah. Uh, we also have Tony Ledemos, played by Henry uh, Sersny, I think is how you say it, okay. who is the father. Yeah, he's one of those guys you recognize. You're like, oh, I know him. Yeah, he's very, I, I've, I still could not place where I knew him from, but mm-hmm. he's definitely familiar. Uh, then we have Daniel Ledemos, Adam Brody. Okay, we know that. <laughs> we know him. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Alex Ledemos, played by Mark O'Brien. Okay. And he's the and husband. Then, yeah. Okay. Yes, he's the husband. And then Grace Lee DeMoss, played by Samara Weaving, who is cool. our final girl. Cool. Let's jump down to the bottom and I'll I'll kind of yeah. so tell me a little bit about uh Helen. Obviously she's the creepy aunt, Helen Le Damas. Uh Nikki Guadagini. I guess she was in a lot of Canadian film and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was in a lot of she was just in a lot of uh like film and TV at that time, like but mm-hmm. more like in like in Canada than anything. So gotcha. the only thing that's very most notable that she was in was Silent Hill. And I've seen that movie, but I don't mm. remember her too much, but that's her more notable, like bigger film okay. that she's been gotcha, in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Besides yeah, she, this movie. She has, I think she has the most fun in this movie. Like she plays up like oh, the yeah. creepy over the top, like, like just like almost like the, there's a word for it, like the, the person who's warning you, like you must, we must do the thing. Like she's just playing up that trope so hard. And it's, but she's having so much fun with like her faux hawk going on the entire time. Oh too. my god! It's like if I could get my hair to stand that tall, that high, I would have been so popular in the early two thousands. I don't know. Listen, it was a time you had to you had to be there, Cass. You had to be there. Okay, sure. But no, she she had a lot of fun with it, and it it is kind of a callback to like that type of horror character, you know, the yeah, harbinger no. is what I'm thinking of. That's that's the term for them. Kind kind of a harbinger. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Um, she, and she, yeah, she's really creepy with every, but she's wanting everyone still on track because she's really trying to tell people right. like, the curse is real. Mm-hmm. She, oh, she believes a hundred and ten percent. Like she's like, we got to stick to the plan. We got to do it the way we've always done it. And everybody else is like, can we use gun like normal guns? Can we? Let's just use the security footage. It's fine. And she's like, no. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. But yeah. um, Nick, who did you cast as? So our- I. Yes, for Helena, I gave you a throwback as well. Um, a horror throwback. Ooh. I felt like this was the right spot to put someone like that there. So I'm giving you Janet Lee. Um, you most people okay. probably know her from the original Psycho back in 1950. And she yeah. at this point she's just playing old lady. She's doing a lot of TV shows, TV movies and stuff in the late 80s just playing kind of a motherly figure or a grandmother figure. So I think she fits right in here with in this spot and i think she can definitely play up the whole creepiness as well like she's a phenomenal Mm -hmm. actress and she's only and and it's funny that i think it just is a nice bow on her like horror career as well as her film career in general that's just framing it with psycho and her films in between up to this point yeah no i like that that's a that's a solid pick uh yeah it is i went i picked it okay okay (laughs) fully full of yourself aren't you confidence Um, confidence Sure, that's what we'll call it. Um, <laughs> I went with I went with Liza Minnelli. She was doing oh. a lot of music videos at the time, so this okay. kind of works for her. Um, and She's she was one. Doing... Go, go ahead. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. Oh, 
I know it's rude. Um, she was. <laughs> don't roll your eyes. She was. Um, I just thought she was a fun pick. She was doing um, music. God, you messed me up now. She was doing music videos, but also a lot of like other smaller like TV stuff. But mm-hmm. yes, Nick, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I think that works because she's very much. I mean, she's a musician more so than an actress at this point, especially, and she has a you know a, a thing for the theatrics so she can kind of play the over the top she can kind of do the big role oh, yeah. like this for sure no yeah definitely and and i just feel like with this sort of role it doesn't have to be super big mm-hmm. just because like you just gotta like look creepy like you just gotta kind of right. be in the corners and <laughs> sit just... in the corner wear your really thick eyeliner and shadow <laughs> <laughs> have fun which i think she would do great it's not it's perfect yeah. for her um cool. no i think that i think both of those picks are fun yeah. um all right, are you ready to do Becky? Yep, yep, yep. Let's go with our mother, Becky Lay Damas, played mm-hmm. by Andy McDowell. Yeah. Um, and Andy, I feel like everyone knows who Andy is, like in mm-hmm. St. Elmo's Fire, Groundhog Day, Sex yeah, Lies, yeah. and Videotape. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's known in everything. Um, yeah. A big late 80s, early 90s Nick. staple for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you pick, Nick? Well, you know, Andy does such a good job with this. I think she, because she comes off, she's she's not part of the family mainly, but she comes, she's married in, but she, but yes. in a fir- and she leads you to believe like, because that's the whole thing, like building up uh, Samara's character. She's so, con- Grace is so concerned with like, are they going to like me and stuff? And she kind of puts on this thing of like, oh, you know, it's great. We're, you know, I, I, and she kind of relates and she's like, you know, when I came in, I thought the same thing and stuff. And yeah. she, and she, they use Andy McDowell's likability here really well, but she also is able to just oh, yeah. flip the switch when, when it comes time to play the game, even more so than the dad, who's like part of the fa- actual bloodline part of the family. It's, it's, it's funny how a lot of the outside characters that are married in are way more into the game than the family members are they're all like oh, we gotta do it you know and they're all like let's get this done let's come on let's go let's freaking go besides 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 fitch right besides fitch, fitch is just like, kind of there i just wanted the money so but no, <laughs> no i think they definitely yeah yeah so i think with that you, you want somebody that has that really well-rounded ability to come off as charming but then also can play up kind of the serious side as well and the very in the pursuit of our main character grace so i'm going to give mm-hmm. you julie christie uh, most people know her okay. from Dr. Zhivago. It was a big movie back in the day and Fahrenheit 451. But in the 80s, uh, she's doing kind of the same thing that Janet Lee's a little bit. She's in movies like Power, Miss Mary, uh, and then Secret Obsession in 89. So nothing of super major note. So I think this is going to be a fun mm-hmm. role for her to play like a very motherly character on one side and then also like being able to be on the hunt as well. But who did right. you pick? I picked D. Wallace. Dean who is already Wallace. she's already known for her horror uh okay cujo critters et uh, okay um, got it got it okay the mom the, the mom TV... and cujo yeah yes okay yes, got, yes. It, got it so you know she's done tv movies and shows around that time um 86 was doing critters and club life but um mm-hmm. i just wanted a motherly figure because mm-hmm. you kind of need that like as you explained like for grace like kind of like you know just being nice to her bringing her into the family trying to get her to understand like what you know what they're about but until it comes time to play in the game that's when like she completely switches so i feel like you need someone that is like motherly to then be mm-hmm. like oh shit like she's no longer a mother she's- oh god <laughs> well, we, were, we were bonding <laughs> we were having fun <laughs> uh, no 
And now she's trying to shoot you. It's fine. Just run. This woman so drama traumatized by the end. Oh my god! You know what? I feel like Grace. You know, just left tougher than she she was when she before she went in. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. She left like she has a very strong uh, character arc, which we will dive into once we get up to her. But like, yeah, the before and after right. is a very viv- uh, vivid image vi- physically as well as like eter- internal character. One hundred percent. But no, I like both of those. Those are those yeah, are fun. I do too. It was the same same vibe. Um, let's go to the father, Tony oh, Lademos, sure. played by. <laughs> Uh, played by Henry uh, Sersney. Uh, Henry Sersney has been in a few different things. He was in The Boys yeah. of St. Vis- Vincent, Mission mm-hmm. Impossible, The Ice Storm. Oh, it's that guy. In- it's the guy from the... He's He was in the original Mission Impossible, and he's in the new one, in, in the new one that came out this oh. year. Okay, that's oh. where I've seen him before. I was like, I know him from somewhere. But okay, <laughs> that's what I know. That's what I know him from. But I'm sorry. I got excited there for a moment. <laughs> Um, he was also in Scream Six. I don't remember him in Scream Six, but mm-hmm. the the director of the film of Ready or Not also directed Scream Five and Scream Six. Okay, so that kind of made sense to why Henry yeah. uh, Sersney was in this. But mm-hmm. um, no, I I did like the father's character as well. I think he was just kind he's of a lot like, of yeah, he was he's, charming. And, yeah, he's a lot of fun for sure. He, because he's just very charming, but he's also like, okay, we want to get this done, but he's willing to change the rules mm-hmm. too, just because he just wants to, like, he wants to kill Grace. He's like, yeah. let's get this done, like, yeah, turn the cameras back on. He's he's just he he wants it to be as easy as possible. Like, if if oh, we're yeah. not going to just because the whole game is if she draws this card, they have to kill her. But every other game, it's just like, oh yeah, you play tic tac toe, you play chess or whatever. But and it, that's kind of the Shoots vibe. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe all the family goes through is they're just like, oh, gosh, now we have to do this. And at first he's into it, but the harder it gets, he's just like, oh, my gosh, just just somebody. Okay, let's turn on the security cameras, please. So so he he's definitely really funny and a lot of fun to play with um, for for an actor. Who'd you I, went with? With, I went with Charles Grodin. Um, if you don't know that name, he's the dad in okay. Beethoven is what most people will know him as. Um, he has a bigger movie with Robert De Niro at this time in 88 called Midnight Run. Um, I've heard it's a great it's on a lot of like top list of action movies and stuff. I need to watch it. It looks really great. But beyond that, uh, he's doing from 86 to 89 things like Last Resort, uh, Ishtar, The Couch Trip. You can't hurry, love, and Cranium Command, which is a wild name, but he just has he he has the traits for both comedy and like serious moments. So I just think he he he's a he has he's obviously goes into dad mode in Beethoven. So I think he does a good job, uh, playing into that really well. So yeah, Cass, that's who I picked. Who did you pick nice. for the dad? Nice. I went with John Lithgow. Okay. Because okay. I wanted right. I wanted I wanted someone fun like this the, i wanted a dad figure i wanted mm-hmm. someone that, as you mentioned for um the mother i wanted someone fun like likable so you're mm-hmm. gonna like like him when you first see him and then you're just like oh why is he acting like this like don't kill our main character um but at that time he was doing um the manhattan project in 86 was doing mm-hmm. harry the hendersons yes um, baby, baby girls scott baby girl um, scout yeah Got it. Um, in eighty seven and out cold in eighty nine. Gotcha. So I just I don't know. I wanted a I wanted a fun father figure, but also you wanted a fun just, dad. 
Yeah. I mean, I, you need you need a fun dad for this role because I just feel like you need someone serious. So if you yeah. get into the mindset of like Footloose, mm-hmm. you're going to at least know say. that he's going to. You need someone like serious, but also fun. Because mm-hmm. like he's not like serious all the time. Like there was always times like even when they were watching the recording of her like out like outside because I think it was the whole um the car scene when right. someone was dri- when when the yeah. butler they're like look behind you her. yeah and he, she kicks so, the crap out of the 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 butler and they crash and they're just like oh my gosh yep. yeah yep. so, so you're, you're I, that's to, the scene yeah you're trying yeah, to find that line between between uh footloose a mean preacher John Lithgow and Harry <laughs> and the Henderson's father figure John Lithgow God I see I see the vision okay I'm, I'm down with it that's Thanks. fun fun you know sure they're both sure. fun I like them yeah. both all right now let's go to Daniel Lademos, played by uh, yes. the one and only Adam Brody. I don't have I heard of him. Is he is he uh, one thing? I think cast? I think so. Uh, he was in the, you, the show, you, the show that one thing. Mm, I don't. The, know. He was in the show The OC, which was very popular. In yeah, the I've never early watched 2000s. that. Never heard of that. I yeah. do. I haven't either. But anyway, that's a lie. Cast, stop um, lying. Stop. Stop the lying. This is where I wouldn't lie, but he was also in Jennifer's Body. Um. The also movie, in Shazam, not... and I think she's also in Shazam. <laughs> you can go on. <laughs> Listen, I'm just riffing here. He was, I know, I... but I think I think one hit, one of his like notable like roles was Mr. and Mrs. Smith because it was a smaller role, but he was still like known for like I forgot what he was. I think he was like he he was helping in some way with it, like just he was a part of it. But okay. I haven't seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith in a long time, but. Jennifer's gotcha. body is probably mainly the one he's more not- notable for because mm-hmm. he was the lead singer of the band. Got but da- Daniel's a very fun character. Daniel is just very, he's the alcoholic. He, he's very There's nothing funny about alcoholism, Cass, okay? For him, it is. Okay. Everything's man. fine. Yeah, got it. Um, no, but like, he's just very, like, he, He's very not about his family. You can just tell. And because there's a conversation between him and his wife where he was like, I like her. She's like, I like her. She's, you know, good. And his wife kind of says something smart. And he, he was like, no, honey, it's just because she still has a soul because of the <laughs> fact that like they've all like have basically given up their souls. Right. To no, this damn curse. But. He's very much the cynical member of the family, and uh, which in the flashback at the beginning, he's correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the one that's just watching. He's not the one that rats out the guy that's running, right? He or is rats, that, he's he the does rat out. out. Okay, but clearly that yeah. has an effect on him, and I think that that's just worked all its way all the way through up to the movie at the starting point here. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he, he definitely. He plays well off of the idea that you're like, this guy's the screw up of the family and he's just going to be a problem. But then slowly over the movie, you kind of you empathize with him. A, the more you learn about the family. And then when he kind of comes around finally to help out Grace, you're very much like you're rooting for him to also survive. So when he does die, it's you're like, no, we really liked you. You 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 did it. You came back around. So yeah, let's a... talk about that real just real quick. He dies by his own wife. Yes, that's right. Charity it... Charity was the one that killed him. That's crazy. Listen, <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed it's to sad. say. It's sad. <laughs> it's just sad. It's just it's just really sad. The, the statement on marriage in America is just really sad at that point. <laughs> 
if you have any worries about getting just, married, this is not the movie to watch on the night before your marriage. Yes. Let me just put it out there. In case you're, I, what if your family I turns actually, out to be murderous? I actually just read a YouTube comment today, watching mm-hmm. the trailer again. Yeah, and the YouTube comment said, "Just got engaged today, and my mother sent me this trailer." <laughs> Damn. That mother does not want you to get married. If you have, if you are still in the engagement process, that's your sign. Your mother's trying to tell you something. Oh my. But but it, it makes you wonder with his um, scene in the um, beginning. Like, was mm-hmm. that a sign to show you that he was actually protective of his brother to not be a part of something like this, and he was doing it with Grace as well because mm. he wanted to help Grace. But yeah. he just kept kind of like, you know, having to listen to his family, which is why like that first time he was like, I'm going to give you a 20 second head start. He's yeah. like, I'm going like, to I'm going to let them know. Where yeah, they are. definitely sprinkle in like a lot of hints. And uh, it will he won't he turn like, will he which sides he really going to play for, you know, especially when like the dad yeah. gets choked out and he's just like, come on, we'll do it together. And, and then the dad hits him, the, the husband from behind. And he's just like, I was distracting him, obviously, you know, yeah. so I think it, it's a it's a fu- it's a fun role to play it's with. Fun. It, it, I mean, we said that about pretty much every role. This this movie's just fun in general. So like, there's no real like lame duck role here. Yeah. Where you're just like, where you're just like, uh, you know, I guess they just had to do the best with what they could. You know, like everything, every character has like a nuance to them that's interesting and great for a character or an actor to dive into for sure. I'm giving you. Uh, yeah. I feel like this is a little. I don't know if it's on the nose, but it's like he he could definitely play this type. And I'm giving you James Spader. Now, everybody okay. knows him now as the voice of like Ultron and stuff from the Avengers sequel. But back in the day, and also as, as Robert California in the Office TV show. But at this point, he's doing Young Blood, About Last Night, 87, Square Dance, and Masquerade. Oh, I'm sorry, this is the wrong list here. I'm talking about someone else. Uh, wrong list. Okay. Uh, 86, he's pretty in pink. 87, it's Mannequin, Baby Boom. Less Than Zero is the notable one with Robert Downey Jr., who I also considered nice. here. And I could, I, I think too. I could hear Corey screaming from like a week from now, being like, "That's the pick you should have done." But I'm sticking to my guns with James Spader. He's also he was also in Wall Street um, and Sex Lies and Videotape in '89. But I think he just has that kind yeah. of vibe. Like you, you would sit there and think like this guy's prop. He's probably in on the whole family thing. Like he's trouble. Like James Spader gives off that vibe. But I think especially young James Spader right here, he'll have a lot of fun working on that arc from being like the cynical one to being like okay i'm gonna try and do the right thing here at the end and you'll feel bad when he dies you'll be like no no ultron come on come on you're you're a robot with feelings okay (laughs) but who did who did you who did you pick for to replace your beloved adam brody which was very hard um but it's fine because i went with someone that i liked in the 80s um I went with Rob Lowe because oh. I wanted someone in that like charming mindset too. Mm-hmm. Because like, even if people don't consider Adam Brody attractive or like the pretty boy and stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like for that role you need someone that's in that role because it's like I think you need Rob Lowe in his like lowest. Yeah, just, just because which Daniel is, uh, is personally at his where lowest. he's at at this point, isn't it? And <laughs> his personal life. Yeah, it works out. Yeah. Um. You kind of need Rob Lowe in almost like the St. Elmo's fire mindset as well, too, mm-hmm. where it's like doing like drugs or drinking and stuff, um, but also still like sweet. So I thought he'd yeah. do a really, really good job with Daniel. Um, yeah. And at that time, he was doing 
young uh young blood about last night in 86 okay 87 square mm-hmm. dance um masquerade and illegally yours mm-hmm. but no i just thought he would be he would be fun in in the daniel role now yeah. no it's not adam brody but <laughs> it's not quite there but no i get it yeah rob Lowe was actually someone i considered also because i do you're right i think he can play like the likable person but he also has the ability to Mm -hmm. kind of lean into some cynicism and stuff which he doesn't bring out a whole lot like in parks and rec he's definitely playing like his they're playing off the fact that he's this gorgeous human being that still has aged like fine wine but like you'll see like there's there was a blooper where like they're pretending he's a bad person behind the scenes of the show and he's just like cursing and stuff and i'm like there that's that's who i'm kind of thinking about so yeah I, i totally get your pick there but i didn't pick him there because I had him somewhere else. So I wonder uh-huh. where it could be, Cass. But but speaking of which, I who's, wonder too. Who's, who's next on the list? Uh, who's next is Alex Ledemas, played by Mark O'Brien. Right, he is our yeah. main character's husband, who later on becomes the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark O'Brien was in Arrival, Bad Times at the El Royale, and um, Marriage Story. Gotcha, gotcha. He he ha- He's a very... I don't... I, I, I don't remember very, him. I don't remember he, Mark Alex, O'Brien in any of the movies that he's in, but he has a recognizable face. But, but yeah, he's playing Alex. So Alex is like very. He he's he's the good one in your mind because mm-hmm. like he's sweet to our grace. He's very just. You don't expect him to change in the end. So you, I feel like with him, like he is trying to get her out. He is trying to like save her and protect her. But then he like you do kind of need a character that or not a character, but he ends up just turning like just completely mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to be this bad guy. Like, I'm going to listen to like what my family has said to me. Like, I was the one that actually saw the ghost. Yeah, I'm going to like I'm going to finish this. Um, We're going to kill her. Like, let's finish this. Let's get her into this room and yeah, finish this. The, the turn so on him. I, just, I don't know. He, he, yeah, the turn on him doesn't isn't as I feel like as as well handled as Daniel's is, but it, cause it kind of comes out of nowhere, but I feel like yeah. that's kind of like a, you kind of need it to be that. Cause the entire time they're trying to feed on the whole idea that he's like, you're part of this family. You got to get back in the fold. You know who you really are. And, and the whole idea of him actually seeing the ghost guy in the chair does lay some of that groundwork. But when you first watch, you're like, well, that came out of nowhere a little bit, but second watching, you're like, okay, I, I kind of see where, where this comes from. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. But this is where I, I, I think put, hinting about yeah, the chair. Yeah. Hinting about the chair definitely lay, lays lays it on there thick the second time around. You're like, oh, okay. But this is where I put Roblo for sure. Yeah. I for the okay. same kind of reasons, just flipped, obviously, like good guy to bad guy instead of bad guy to good guy. So I, I and we've yeah. kind of already talked a little bit about Roblo, but I feel like that's that's where I placed him instead. So who do you have for Alex? Okay. I went with Michael J. Fox. You put Michael J. Fox in the bad guy role. How I did. dare you? Because I want, I want to feel like. Listen, listen. I wanted a good guy. I wanted mm-hmm. everyone to see him and be like, "Oh, it's Michael J. Fox. Like he's gonna be sweet. Like he's gonna just be this like mm-hmm. you know loving husband." I wanted that vibe because you're gonna you're gonna get pulled into his character. You're gonna just be like, "Okay, like he really does care about Grace." Yeah, and then that's- it's slowly hinting about him like turning and then it it clicked like then it hits to that scene where he grabs grace to take her into the other room yeah so 
I just thought Michael J. Fox would be fun for that because he does play that sweet boy, like nice role very, very mm-hmm. well. And I think getting him into a horror like this and having him change mm-hmm. is perfect. I think it'd yeah. be fun. No, I, I get it. There's the shock of, of it at first where you're like, are you serious right now? Like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you really do want somebody that the audience is going to be like, oh, he's the good guy. He's here to help. Like he, he's just chained up and he, when he gets loose, he's going to come to the rescue. So when it gets to like the whole sacrifice scene, you're like, oh no, like he, he flipped on us. And it's just that much more of a, a literal or figurative knife in the chest of like, oh my gosh, even he's trying to kill me. So no, I get it. I get the logic there. That makes sense. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun play off of yeah. Michael J. Fox. He's just going to be really busy in the late eighties with the back to the future sequels. Yeah, well- Bright Lights, Big City, Secret of My Success. He's he's got a busy time, but he he's he's used to it That's at this fine. point. Yeah, sure. We'll just That's slowly kill him with by overworking him to death. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Are we at the top? Is it the is it fine? Is it time? Small budget like this movie was. I think it's fine. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Are we at the top now? It's time. It's time. Okay. Let's get to the last one. Grace Lay Damas, played by the beautiful Samara Weaving. Yes. Who is our protagonist? It's not our Margot Robbie, final right? Final girl. Just uh, confirming this. No, it's not. Okay. Got it's it. not. Which is funny because Margot Robbie was considered for the role of Grace. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Samara Weaving, you would know her from The Babysitter, Guns Akimbo, Scream Six, and Nine Perfect Strangers. Um Sure. She, she, a few of those. she does a really Yeah, the babysitter sounds familiar. <laughs> But yeah, she does a great job in this role, I think. And like we we kind of hinted at before, uh, she she has a there's a great arc that goes on. Like they do a good job portraying it physically with her costume change, going from yes. innocent white, you know, all that stuff to the disfigured dress being red and full of blood with the gun and the smoking the cigar at the end of the movie. She smokes at the beginning, but she's hiding that part of herself, like who she truly is, to the family in an attempt to huh. impress them. And so, like by the end, she's like, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. So it, it's it. yeah, it's a fun it's a fun transformation for her for sure. I didn't think of it that way. That's interesting. Um but Nick, who did you pick? Okay. Grace? Yes. I was it, uh, so one thing I tried to do my best of against Corey's will obviously is try to not cast too many brat pack people. So instead for for our lead okay. actress, shout out to Meg Ryan, who I thought about casting, but I'm going with kind of a lesser known '80s actress, Catherine Mary Stewart. Uh, most people know her from okay. movies like Night of the Comet and The Last Starfighter, and later on in the late '80s, she's in a movie called Weekend at Bernie's that a lot of people uh, know. You know, but I think she just has obviously leading lady looks, but she also shows in movies like the night of the comet, which is kind of a horror esque movie that she can handle a lot of action and with, with some little bit of humor from weekend at Bernie's. So I think that she it's, it's a, it's a chance to give somebody a, a big spot here and see if, if they can take off from there, obviously, or just something more to do. Cause I do feel like she's one of the ones that got lost in the shuffle of all the, the brat pack and all these other uh, huge actresses at the time. Who do you have? No, I think that's fun. Um, I picked Phoebe Cates. Okay. Just because I, and this is after Gremlins and Fast Times. Um, she was doing uh in '87, Date with an Angel. '88 mm-hmm. was Shag, Bright Lights, Big City. '89 mm-hmm. was Heart of Dixie. 
But I wanted someone that played like the pretty girl role as well. Cause I mean, I, I look at Samara and think she's the pretty girl. Yeah. But I feel like that'd be fun for Phoebe Cates because like, yes, she's done gremlins. And I mean, it, it can, gremlins to me is still like horror based anyway, even if yeah. it's just not as scary, mm-hmm. but you need a tough girl role. She played a tough girl role in that. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted someone that like did give off a fun vibe that like Samara gave off. So yeah, I don't know. I think she was she was the first person that I thought of mm-hmm. just because I wanted to see her in a leading role like this. Yeah, and I think she would do amazing. And honestly, I would love to see her as Michael J. Fox. Well, you can as, also like, see her with Michael J. Like Fox in Bright Lights in Big City, <laughs> also in '88. So you're just you're doubling up the Phoebe Cates Michael J. Fox. Oh crossover. yeah. So you know what? It worked out. It worked out. Sure, sure, sure. No, I think I think the speech from Gremlins, I did not even realize that. I'm like, it's right there. Um, but I think the speech for, that she gives from Gremlins, which we've talked about before on a former episode of this podcast, and it's very just dark and stuff. But it's like she can ride the line between being the cutesy, very fun loving character, and then like even in Gremlins yeah. too, she's like this the self serious like uh, you know business woman minded character in that movie. So you you can have a lot of fun with those lines that she can play with as well well that's it i I guess we did it we wrapped up this is the cast those are our cast for ready or not the late 80s edition all right any final thoughts before you send us on our way how do you feel do you feel do you feel like the cast is good is it as good as you thought it was when you first started I did. I think it was fun. I think we picked really, really good picks. Yeah. This wasn't one of those that I was like upset over or mad or couldn't see. I think we had really good reasoning. And I should have just bombed think, it. And just especially the Adam Brody role. I should have just made you suffer. I, it's I, fine. I, I, I didn't. Knew You're welcome. You were say it. It's it's fine. But no. Um. It's just that no one will be Adam Brody. But anyways. <laughs> Goodness. Well, <laughs> Well, everyone, that was Ready or Not in the late 80s, casted by myself and Nick. Yeah. We're sure you have we're sure you have thoughts and critiques, so be sure to let us know on our social media profiles at Quantum Recast. Comment on our posts and even yes. set us a DM if you're feeling that strongly. We'd love to talk movies. Send us all of your hate. We are well, we love it. We won't hate it. True. Um, True. if you enjoyed <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and check out more of this show. We have plenty of older episodes as well as new ones on the way, especially this October during Quantum Ween. Yeah. Woo. But thank you for listening and we hope you'll join again next time. Say goodnight, Nick. Goodnight, Nick. <laughs>